Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story, and we've got to take care of some housekeeping. First, uh, to respond to Pat Richardson, I resolved my pharmacy health care provider issue. Uh, it took a phone call and then a third-party phone call uh, to some non-provider person, and then that person basically just checked a box, and then it was fine. So well, that's good. Got that done. But more importantly, Matt, we have big news about your mother and her I know. her immediate podcast listening. I know, amazing, yeah. And and I'll tell you, um, she wanted to know if you resolved your uh, prescription <laughs> issue as well. Uh, so she'll be happy to get that answer. Yeah, it's all resolved. Um, I, okay, good. I feel like there was unnecessary frustration, but I, I'm almost over it. I, I'm 75% yes. away over it. Okay, good. Well, yeah, she did ask me if I knew, and at the time I didn't know. So she'll get her answer. Uh, but, yeah, we appreciate the loyal listening. Um, so we are two games in to year three of the Bobby Hurley experiment, and it's going rather well so far. Uh, AS, it is. ASU with a 20-point win on opening night against Idaho State and then a 22-point win on San Diego State where during the second half they doubled up the Aztecs, um, turning a first-half deficit into a blowout 90-68 to victory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I uh, have been very happy with the results I've seen. Uh, both games have been on Pac-12 net, which has meant uh, as a DirecTV subscriber, I can't see them. Um, I mean, I suppose I could go, so I really have no way to blame for myself, but I haven't gone yet. Nonetheless, um, been, been happy with, uh, the production I've seen. Um, I think, you know, one of the, uh, real surprising elements of what we've seen so far is Daquan Lake, who I think when we talked about the season ahead of time, we both kind of agreed, felt like a guy who probably wouldn't see the floor much at all this year, you know, would be a, a project. Well, he has been pretty good now you know we'll see how he does as the competition elevates but uh he looks pretty good and and you know if he can continue to play in this area you know this kind of play that's going to make us a whole lot different team than what we were last year when you combine him and Romello white who finally made his debut as well yeah well when you think about um what it looked like coming in we already knew that there was uh going to be no mickey miller uh, I'm sorry, that's not his name. Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell. There's no Mickey Mitchell. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, to have on the eve of the first game, Kimani Lawrence be out with a stress fracture requiring surgery and yeah. the sudden departure of Ramon Vila. Um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You know, the, to put up a 20-point win with six scholarship guys Asking right. a lot of Vitaly Shivel coming off of uh, tendon damage last year right. that made him miss the whole right. year. You know, he acquitted himself well in both games in limited duty. And then, uh, you know, the combination of White and Lake in that San Diego State game, when they were on the floor, they were dominating. Lake got into a little bit of foul trouble, but it, we got out to a big lead in the first half before the foul trouble happened, and we got out to yeah. a big comeback. Um in the aftermath of that yeah yeah i mean uh you know and and it sounded like from what i read and what you know little highlights i saw um you know the style of play i you know read a couple different places was very appealing which you know let's be honest that matters 
in this market um, to not only win games, but to win games in an attractive style. Um, and, you know, Hurley has, has wanted that. Uh, he's not a, a, you know, Herb Sendek-like coach who prefers to slow it down. We've had to do that at times in his first two years because we just didn't have the bodies. Um, and now it feels like we might. You know, when, when we get Mitchell eligible and Lawrence back, you know, that's the potential for a nine-man rotation. And, and that gives you that ability to kind of run and gun. You've got the guard depth. You've got the big man depth. And, and you, can, you can play that brand of basketball and actually get away with it. I mean, one of the things that was, I don't want to say surprising, but was very, it was, it was a cause for optimism for me, was when they got up against San Diego State, Hurley sort of put the hand up like, okay, let's slow down now. Let's, we don't need yeah. to run. We're up big in the second half. Like, let's calm down. Right. And the guy who grabbed the rebound uh, on the possession I'm thinking of and did that was Remy Martin who was like, okay, yeah. I'll slow it down. I don't need, you know, I'll walk yeah. it up court. And playing, yeah. the, playing the four guards together has been really good, and Martin's defense is as advertised so far. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I like what I see, you know, and obviously the, there's excitement about, about Lawrence. Um, you know, we won't see him now for a little bit, I guess. Uh, but hopefully by Pac-12 play, he's back, but... You know, we, we talked a few weeks back about that first recruiting class and taking another hit now to that with Vila leaving. So now three of the five guys have, have left. Uh, but the second class, you know, looks pretty intriguing when you've got what Martin can do, hopefully what Lawrence does. Um, the Quan Lake, as I mentioned, you know, being kind of a surprise. And then those other two guys who didn't play last year from last year's class that are now, you know, redshirt freshmen, um, that, you know, brings something to the table as well, obviously, white especially. So, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. It's you know, I don't I mean, don't know yet how good this team can be. Obviously, there's many more tests to pass. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what I've seen so far, especially after that first exhibition game was kind of like, a, oh, boy, you know, let's maybe put pause on the hype. Since then, I've been pretty happy with what I've seen. The one thing that's been impressive is they, the way they've shot the ball and moved the ball offensively. You know, the, yeah. there was a play that I know Haller retweeted and it got a lot of yep. hype in ASU circles where there was the extra pass to find, I believe, Holder open in the corner for a three. Yeah. Um, and, and they were doing that really kind of all night. They were penetrating. They were forcing San Diego State to move around. Um, I, I feel like the Idaho State game is more of – you know, it's what you expect to win by 20. But the San Diego sure. State game, you know, they got them sort of on roller skates for a lot of the second half. And yeah. at a certain point, it felt like it wouldn't have really mattered who the other team was. If ASU's offense can be that crisp, they'll be able to hang with everybody. Sure, sure, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, that's where you come back to having those three senior guards that can all run the show if they have to. Um, I mean, Shannon Evans has been really good, uh, you know, in the, in the exhibition games. He had, what, 50 points in one of them, uh, the two games so far. I mean, he looks like a guy who has taken that step up uh, from where he was last year. He was good last year. So far, he looks significantly improved from where he was last year. Um, you know, and that's that's what we talked about, too, before the, you know, you, you had these three guys back. You wanted them to kind of elevate their games a little bit more. And so far, so good. Uh, you know, again, it's early. I, I want to, you know, 
slow the hype a little bit. I'm not booking, you know, Final Four trip just yet or anything like that. But I am happy with what I see from this team in the early going. Well, and if they can weather this month, you know, yeah. Mitchell's available, I think, for Kansas. The Kansas game, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, that's what they and, seem to be saying. And that's right around when Lawrence will be at least reevaluated yeah. to see if he can go. So. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. I mean, it, it, you know, obviously that then gives you some, some front court depth that you're kind of still lacking right now um, to go along with having the four guards that can all play. Uh, you know, and it gives you, uh, you know, nine guys that you can play. Um, and, you know, you've got essentially a seven-man rotation now. You introduce those two guys with versatility, too. I mean, both of those guys are kind of the in-betweeners. Um, you know, they're not they're not your bigs. They're not your guards. So they give you that versatility to play a small lineup or play a big lineup. You know, maybe you throw a lineup out there with, you know, Lawrence as a small forward with the two big guys. And, and you play a little bit bigger against a team that has size on you. So, you know, it gives you that ability to kind of mix and match. Yeah, and on the flip side, Lawrence, I think you might see a time where it's at least him with the three guards, if not all four guards on the floor with him. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if you want to go small, you can do that too. I mean, that's the, that's the new wave of basketball, you know, positionless basketball, and you put five guys out there and, uh, I mean, obviously, it you know it takes a pretty good talent to perfect it the way some teams have done in the NBA. Um, the Warriors are you know the team that comes to mind, but so many teams are copying them now. Um, you know that's that, but you know that's what you kind of got. You know that's the way the game is going, and maybe this lineup gives you a chance to do that somewhat. So, you know, the the other basketball news, the other noteworthy thing is the recruiting class. The two guys who had previously committed, Valtanen and Dort, both did wind up signing during the early signing period. Um, presumably, there is one more scholarship available with the three senior guards yeah. all graduating. Uh, it's unclear right now who that could be. You know, obviously, um, there's some long-term prospects locally. I'm, I'm not sure what Hurley's looking to do with that third scholarship. Right. But I would not be surprised if he held it open for the idea of another transfer. Um, yeah, could could. I mean, he's he's been uh, you know obviously open to that. Um, you know, guys guys. Uh, what we got three this year that are sitting out. I mean, provided that Bragg comes back, which I haven't heard any updates on him. Uh, but the other two guys, you know, sitting out this year, and that you know introduces some talent for next year's team as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. And I suppose, you know, as we'd say three, there's probably four because uh, Vila's spot opens up now as well. Oh, yeah, good point. So so there's one or so, two spots left for Hurley yeah. to, to do with as he pleases. Um, but, you know, we're about to head into the interesting part of the schedule. ASU's got games uh, this weekend. They they play on Thanksgiving night. So yes. It'll be it'll be fun to see what happens. See if he can keep this team rolling. But it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's exciting. It it uh, there's a sense of optimism and you know uh, smooth segue here. There's not that same feeling of optimism right now around football. Um, it's kind of a feels like a make or break time here for football, and we're, we're coming upon the time where we got to make a decision professional podcast segue right there from Matt's story. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Matt, you have 
said before we started recording that you could dive deep on this. So let's quickly, quickly dispense with our Oregon State expectations and then go into uh, a broader state of play for the program. Yeah. Oregon State is bad. They were yeah. bad last time we went to Corvallis and lost. Um, so I think we should win. I still think we're going to win, at, at, but I will tell you this. If it's not a beatdown, then it's a problem. And if we lose, I, I don't think Todd Graham gets back on the plane. Well, I mean, I, I would say I agree with you on the sense that I, I think we should win and I, I will pick <laughs> us to win. Um but, you know, this kind of gets into some of the other things. You know, one of the things about this year, it has felt like when I've expected something good from them, they have disappointed me. Going back to the opener when we struggled. And, and you know, obviously last week, USC, uh, you know, I mean, those are different caliber of opponents, all three. But it feels like every time this team plays with expectations, they don't rise to the occasion. Um, they seem to be much better suited as an underdog role, so that worries me a little bit. I'll pick them because I think Oregon State is bad, as you said, um, but I'm not overly confident about it. So, all right, I, I think we're going to win. I'm going to say we win comfortably, um, you know, something to the tune of 38-17. to 17. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be a little more excruciating. Um, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, 28 to 20, something like that. So, okay. Well, that gets us to bowl eligible, and that puts us then yeah. on the fringe of the Todd Graham returning uh, question. But yeah. it sounds like, and you noted this, and then I caught it too when I listened that the people who are there, the beat reporters on the respective yeah. podcasts, Sun Devil Source and uh, the Pick right. Six podcast, so, it sounds like they know but can't confirm that the decision's already been made to fire him. I kind of think so. And it's been interesting over the course of the year, um, you know, listening to Haller and Metcalf, and I, I put stock in, in their opinions and insights because I think they're around the program and they probably have sources and um, – that I think before the year, I got the feeling, and it was my, it my feeling, that, you know, Graham was going to probably have to do something to get fired. Kind of the default decision was we'd keep him. But if things really fell apart, okay, we'd get rid of him. Well, things haven't really fallen apart. Um, you know, they've been okay. They've been mediocre. This is, I believe, the third straight year we're at 5-5 five and five after 10 games. I know we were last year. Pretty sure we were um, two years ago as well. Um, that is the definition of mediocrity. So they haven't fallen apart. But, um, yeah, over the last couple weeks, I have gotten the feeling from listening to them, and certainly this week I got that feeling, that um, the default is the opposite. That, the, the you know, if you tip the scales, um, the scales have started to tilt toward the other way. And, you know, can anything be done in the last two games to change that decision? I mean, honestly, I don't think so. Um, if you've already made the decision he's not the guy, then winning these last two games should not change your mind. I agree. And, and you, have to, you have to hope for the win here and then make the change so that you can put in the coach you want for the 15 bowl practices. Um, right. Obviously, right. ASU, has a, well, ASU has a history, and you know, I, I assume that 
they would do that with Ray Anderson of yeah. you, you offer the departing coach the opportunity to coach the bowl game because yeah. he's earned it. Um, right. I don't. A, I mean, and, and you're you might be hiring a coach who's involved with another team. I mean, theoretically, you know, there's there's a few that obviously are you know out of coaching right now that come to mind. But you know, you're either hiring an assistant or a head coach, and he may want to finish out. That's it's always tricky that time of year with what you know all the coaching maneuverings. Yeah, I mean, T. Martin's going to be preparing for the Rose Bowl, so he might be. Yeah, or yeah. not the Rose Bowl, but whatever the non Rose Bowl <laughs> but, uh, yeah, invite the game Bowl, is. Probably, yeah. If they win the Pac-12, they'll probably be coming down here. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's tough, you know. And and I think a couple things that were said in that podcast <laughs> that were kind of things I, you know listen to you know Metcalf made the point and I think I texted you about it that you know you you don't make this decision based on who do you, you know is the coach right for next year you make this decision based on the next five years and I, five years is a bit a bit big picture I mean uh, you know five years ago you know LSU was the best team in the country and five years later Les Miles got fired so you know things change in five years I don't want to go that far um, but if you're saying you know do I think Graham is the right guy for the next three to five years? No, you know, I really don't. And so frame it that way. I would probably lean toward, yeah, let's move on. I mean, for me, the issue is recruiting has taken a dip. Talent has, you know, not, I, I'm not sure we're getting the most out of guys. I, I will, I will eat crow and say that I think Slocum is getting a lot out of, guys (laughs) guys um <laughs> yeah i did yeah, not expect yeah. for him to be as effective of a special teams coach as he is yeah um but that was a lot of packer bias right, from watching right. slocum there <laughs> you know but but the zane gonzalez improvement uh sure. brandon ruiz the fact that after michael sleep dalton started using his proper leg for kicking um right. that seemed to have a dramatic improvement on his punts um, yeah. and, and while the big play is always still there and I hold my breath on every return, we're getting yeah. big plays, at least in the block game. Yeah, we know? are. We are, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's what I mean, I guess, as you as you talk about this, not just special teams, but really offense and defense, too. This season hasn't been an abject disaster. You know, it's not it's not an easy decision. You know, I think after three games, you and I and a lot of ASU people thought – we were headed for abject disaster to the point where the end of Todd Graham was going to just be a formality by this point. And we're not there. You know, it's been an okay season. There's been some ups and some downs and some surprising wins and disappointing losses. Um, and so where you get with that then is you have to ask the question, do you feel like this coach and this staff can pull us out of the mediocrity? As I said, being five and five, three straight years, um, and I'm not sure that I believe they can. I go, I go back to the, I go back to 2015. That's kind of a, a crossroads for me as I look back. That was the year this program came in with expectations. We were ranked in the top 15. People were picking us to make the playoff, and we laid an egg and finished six and six. And since then, it just feels like we can't play to expectations that were, you know, Todd Graham's dangerous as a disrespected underdog. But I don't want to always be the disrespected underdog. I want to be the big dog who can live up to expectations, and I'm not sure he can do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you make a great point about recruiting. One of the things I was thinking this evening 
you know, if you're going to make the argument to keep Todd Graham, what are you arguing? What's what's the point you're going to cling to and say this is why we should keep him? Is it his defensive coaching? No, because he doesn't coach defense anymore, and when he did, it was awful. Is it his recruiting? No, that slipped. Um, is it his in-game coaching? No, he wasn't really good at that even during our good with him. So what is it? Aside from just let's pay the course and hope things get better, that's about really the only logical point you can make. Yeah, I mean, he... Look, the best recruit we've landed in the last two years is Nikhil Harry, and we got him because he went to yeah. high school 20 minutes away from right. the campus. Um, right. I mean, that's the one of the biggest things about this year, you know, and you talk recruiting, is is how thin this team seems and how, you know, an injury to a guy like Daz Tadalatasi, a nice player, but not Ronnie Lott, not Ed Reed, you know, a decent player. A player who's been a special teams gunner for his career. That was his role before this year. Right. And then he gets hurt, and it's like, well, the defense is crippled without him. Now, look, I know your starters are your starters for a reason. They're your best players, and you want your starters to be out there. And when they get hurt, there's going to be a slight step back, no matter who you are. Even if you're Alabama, you lose a guy, there's, there's, there's a drop-off. But um, there shouldn't be that much of a drop-off. And, and uh, you know, from the start this year, one of the points Haller and Metcalf made in the preseason was, you know, this defense could be okay, but, boy, if anybody gets hurt, they're in trouble. Well, we shouldn't be in that position. Guys are going to get hurt. This is football. You know, you're never going to get through with all 22 starters making it healthy for every game. You have to be able to weather the storm here and there, and we don't seem to have the ability to do that. And in year six, under Todd Graham, that bothers me. Well, one of the things that I think is part and parcel of this is we marveled at his ability to keep Burko uh, in right. the system. And right. look, Marcus Ball getting hurt and Armand Perry getting hurt, you can't really do. But yeah, sure. Kareem Orr sure. leaving and the inability yeah. to develop you know, Ty Wiley or people like that. Right. You know, the fact that Jamarcus Rhodes, you know, found his niche as a linebacker, which is great. And he's had, you know, a, a very yeah. impressive year. Although put a pin in that. Cause I wonder how much of that is related to the two guys lining up with him at linebacker True. who are both having True. fantastic yeah. years. Um, they are, they are, you know, but where is the depth? Where, where are, are those next guys? Yeah. Where, yeah. I mean, that, you know, Calhoun and Sam, they're really good. And, and I'm not saying anybody should be playing over them. They're good. They've had great years. But Calhoun's a senior, and Sam's a, a you know, fourth-year junior. He, I guess, is back next year. Where are those guys that are going to step in for them? Do we know? I mean, do we have guys waiting in the wings that are thinking, well, those, those guys will be ready when those guys leave? No. You know, why are we down to a true freshman backing up Todd Latasi? Um, where's the guy in between? that should be able to kind of bridge that gap. And it's 10 games in. Why can't the true freshman be ready to go? I mean, you know, again, I expect some step back, but this is not August anymore. I mean, yeah, he's a true freshman, but he's been with the team since since the fall. Like, have him ready to go if he's ready. I mean, like, that doesn't – that just doesn't work for me. I mean, I – you know, some step back, sure. The defense being crippled and looking like 2016 because that's talking to Latassi's out, no, that's not – that's not justifiable to me. Well, and the other thing is the guy who's in there now, Fields, is the guy who, you know, all offseason you assumed was going to be the starter because of the way they right. talked him up. Right. Um, right. And I know right. I expect him to make freshman mistakes, but 
if he was the more talented guy, well, have him make the freshman mistakes early sure. in against San Diego against State. Mexico State. Yeah. San Diego State. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, again, I, I, I get it, but, it, you know, I guess with this Tuttle Atassi thing, it reminds me of, of, and ironically enough, another guy whose name was impossible to pronounce, um, our dependence on Mokiola for, what, two or three years. When he was hurt, it was like, oh, my God, you know, the sky is falling. We can't do anything without him. Well, you can be that dependent on one guy because guys will get hurt. You have to have some depth to be able to weather the storm a little bit, and we don't seem to have that. And and so then it becomes, do you believe he can build that depth? No. Uh, I mean, he's had a chance to build that depth. Six years. You know, we're this is not year three. I mean, it's um, almost been more of an, it's almost been more of attrition and band-aids and yeah. he's, and he's gotten worse at applying the band-aids in a lot of ways. Right, I mean, right. you know, we've got better depth his first three years when yeah. he got some Juco kids to supplement the kids that were here. You know, we talked about it a few, few weeks back. You know, we went through how many guys got drafted in those first two or three years with Graham. Well, most of them were Juco kids he brought in. Um, but that pipeline had slowed. And they're not as good. The ones he has brought in, for the most part, haven't been as impactful as the ones early. And the high school development just hasn't been there. You know, there haven't been enough guys to come up through the ranks. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're ready to go. They're just the DJ Calhouns and the Christian Sams. There haven't been enough like them. Yeah. Um, I do think that we would be remiss without pointing out the fact that Sam has over 100 tackles this year. Calhoun either has yeah. it or will get it in the next two games. Um, they are yeah. playing great, and it, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of sad that they're now staggered. I guess it's good for ASU because we get one more year with Sam. Um, right, right. Although I will say this. I don't expect that he would have a, you know, a big NFL future. But no. if Graham leaves and if he doesn't think the program's going well, I would not be surprised – if he uh, wasn't a graduate transfer candidate. If yeah, he was that's in true. It to opens do that. that door. You're right. I, yeah, I don't know if he is, um, you know, academically ready to graduate. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's always a possibility with guys now. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess overall I, I, I would say if they do decide to keep Graham, I'm not going to root against him. I think too many times. I think they're that. You know, I've listened to Haller and Metcalf here. Haller's made a lot of references to that. There's a lot of people who made up their mind before season he should go, and then they're rooting against ASU because they want to say I told you so. I don't, I don't believe in that as a fan. I you know if I'm an ASU fan and I want them to do well, so if he's the coach, I will root for them next year and I will hope he does well. Um, but I just think it's I think it's probably time to move on. Uh, I've been disappointed by as I said on Sunday when we talked. Just feels like the last three years have been one step forward, one step back. And we're stuck in quicksand, and I'm not believing he can get us out of that. Um, the other point I was going to make, you know, how makes the point on the podcast, the know who you are, and I've heard that for a decade plus now at ASU, and we've talked about it in relation to basketball too. Uh, you know, I get it, I see it, but I don't believe that you should be content with winning six games a year. Well, I just don't. Well, now, but- if you were winning nine or ten, that's a different story. You know, I mean, I don't expect ASU to be Alabama, but I do expect them to be better than this. Well, I'll, I'll put it to you because it was a question they had on their podcast that I thought was interesting. Yeah. Who would you say our comp would be? And my immediate reaction was Michigan State. That's who I think we should yeah. be. 
The there's another there's another big school in the state. There's another big school yeah. in the conference. You are right at best a third banana by most people's objective look at the conference. You yeah, know? yeah. But they're well, always in the top twenty-five. They they've they are. made it to the playoff. They, they are. Are, you know they've been relevant. The Big Ten twice in the last what four or five years. Um, one year went to the playoff. Yeah, you know had had a, a you know pipeline of NFL players. You know every year they have guys get drafted. They've had good quarterback play from you know uh, Drew Stanton, Brian Hoyer, you know Connor cousins Cook. Connor Cook. I mean uh, a series of guys that have played in the NFL now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a glamorous program. It's not a program that you know you, when you think of the blue bloods at the top of the list. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I'll give you another one. And the last few years would probably, you know, I'm sure if anybody is listening to this, they're thinking, oh, my God, you know, give me some of that. Clemson. Why, why not? You know, I mean, Clemson was ASU for decades. They were a team that their glory days were decades past. They teased. They always disappointed you. And then they got the right coach, and they started recruiting blue-chip guys who are now littered across the NFL, and they've won a national championship. Uh, now, do I know if we can be that good? I don't know, but why not try? You know, I mean, Clemson doesn't – Clemson's not, you know, uh, Nebraska. It's not Ohio State. It's, it's not one of those programs. It's a program that they built themselves in the last decade to being a power. Why not shoot for that? I think that's fair. I should have I mean, let I should have let you go first because by bringing up Michigan State, I missed my opportunity to pivot to the 2018 schedule. Um, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We do have uh, that that uh, you know what is it? What you know uh, image that mirror image program, if you want to say that, you know, coming to town, and I guess we go play them the year after. Which I okay, I, I'm gonna maybe sound dumb here. Do you know Michigan State was here next year? I thought that was off in the future. I thought that it was 2019-2020, not 2018-19. I did, too. I got a text about that today, and I'm like, they're here next year? And I was like, oh, they must have moved it. But then, the you know, like, Haller tweeted out the schedule without any notice or anything like, you know, oh, they moved this game up. And I'm like, well, I must be missing something, I guess. I yeah, don't know. I mean, That's I- a different topic for a different time. I, maybe I was out of the loop, but... Yeah, they are coming here. So, you know, we get a we get a program right there in front of us with a quarterback who, by the way, you know, uh, grew up in our backyard, uh, an Arizona kid who will play quarterback for them again next year. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, reflection there. If you do aspire to be a Michigan State type of program, here they are right there, you know, maybe for year one of the new coach, depending on how things go. The, um, the schedule, the non-conference schedule is – UTSA for the home opener, which, you know, we narrowly escaped the Alamo Dome when we played them. And then Michigan State. And then we traveled to San Diego State for a chance to avenge our loss this year. Yeah, that's not an easy run. You know, I mean, San Diego State's been a good program and beat Stanford at home this year. uh, You know, and then Michigan State, obviously, no matter where it is, is a tough team. Um, and we get a, a tougher draw at the Pac-12 next year than we did this year. We get, you know, we have to go to SC, we have to go to Oregon, we have to go to Washington, we have to go to Arizona. So yeah, it's it's not an easy schedule by any means. Yeah, that it's it's an interesting start. So we play 
UTSA, Michigan State, at San Diego State, at Washington State. And, and yeah. you know, that those three right there, Michigan State, San Diego State, Washington, that's tough. And then we get Oregon it State is. at home, which, you know, that's at least you would project they're not going to be yeah. light years better. Then we travel to Colorado by week all the way to Thursday for Stanford. Right. And then mini buy from Stanford to USC. But then we, yeah. Yeah. you know, so, but after the buy, we're home to Stanford at USC, home to Utah, home to UCLA. And then we end on the road back to back at Oregon at Arizona. That is yeah. tough. Going no, to Odson in mid November. It's very tough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and having that last home game be in the first half of November is kind of strange that a lot like um, last year when we've had our, you know, senior day, I think, you know, on a Thursday night, early November, and then finished with back-to-back road games. So it's a, it's a similar schedule to that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, obviously it's early and nobody knows, uh, you know, how teams will be. We don't, we don't know. I mean, you know, is USC going to be as good if Darnold leaves? Probably not. Uh, you know, who will be UCLA's coach? Um, will Oregon be better than what they were this year? I mean, there's so many unknowns. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it on paper looks um, challenging for sure. Do you think that ASU will be above 500 counting the bowl game when this season ends? Mm, I'd want to know who we were probably going to face in that bowl. Because, I, I mean, I think a betting man would probably have us going one-and-one one to finish this year and going six-and-six. And, six, and then, you know, you get into a situation where are we playing a, a middle-of-the-road, you know, Mountain West team in a bowl? Might. Because then you start getting into the dregs of the bull system, and you end up playing, you know, the team that finished fourth in the in the Mountain West. You should win that. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if we go to the Cactus Bowl and have to play a Big Twelve team, I don't feel as good about that. Uh, you know, so so there's differences there. But we got to win this week before we start. To, I mean, like I think we'll go one and one, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm not feeling great about this week. I'm really not. Uh, and that's just a reflection on Corvallis more than anything else. I mean, if we lose this week, that's it. You know, I, it's it. you and, it's and I think I mean, you just would... announced that Graham is gone and you're he's going to finish I the mean, season and then you're parting ways. To me, it would be the equivalent of the basketball loss three years ago when we lost to USC in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, which you were in attendance for, I believe. I was. Um, it, it, it wasn't the deciding factor. But it was the final straw, and and, and it's I mean one game should never be the deciding factor, ever. I mean, you should not ever make a decision about the future of your program based on one win or one loss. Um, but you know it's the type of loss that was certainly if you're as I as I used the you know cliche or the or the metaphor earlier of you know the scales and they're tipping one way, uh, that putting a, a big heavy book on one end of the scale and just it's it's done. Where we we've made the decision at that point. Yeah, at some point it stops wavering and it just picks a side. Yes, yeah. So I, I mean, I would hope Ray Anderson is making this decision based on more than one game or even one season. I mean, we've talked a lot about number of wins you need this year, but I've always felt like you know you don't make the decision based on this year. You make the decision based on what you expect for future years. Now, an, an eight win season would have given you like a thought, well, you know, things are pointed in the right direction. Um, a six-win season, I don't know that it tells you that, and I think that's probably what we're looking at. Um, you know, can we, 
look, I, I don't think Arizona has all, overnight become uh, unbeatable. But I just think our flaws are such that, you know, especially with our flaws stopping the run and Arizona having turned into a really good team running the ball, that's a bad matchup. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure, you know, we saw last year that we, we didn't yes. we didn't have they don't to have to throw to beat us. Yeah. <laughs> they went the entire second half without throwing a pass. I, I, I don't know if you heard that uh, line in the Howler podcast. Uh, somebody wrote in a question and said, you know, why didn't we run more against UCLA? You know, uh, you know, P.S. I remember Arizona not running, not having a single pass in an entire half and winning a game. I got a laugh out of that. It was kind of a morbid laugh, but it still made me laugh. <laughs> a bit of gallows humor, but still. It was. It was. Yeah. I mean, it's not a good memory, but yeah, I mean, it is one of those that is etched. And, and I, you know, Haller said this a couple weeks ago, and I believe him, you know, an embarrassing loss to Arizona is impossible to come back from if it happens again. I mean, if, if indeed we're talking about, uh, you know, let's see, I don't know what to do here. Um, if we get embarrassed again, like we did last year, it's that, that just cannot stand. Uh, and they are better than they were last year. Obviously um, it wouldn't take much to be better than they were last year. Um, but you know, still that just, that kind of effort will just not cut it this year. Yeah. And, and I think rightly so, you know, the, no, absolutely. The, I mean, he's, we've talked about it. He's in some ways lucky. He didn't get fired after that game last year. That was the type of game. As much as I say you shouldn't fire a guy based on one game, and I don't think you should. If you're going to, it's that type of loss that you do it for. Well, that was, it was an also, embarrassing, pitiful performance. It was also, that was the um, cherry on top of the yes. third Sunday. That was six game the losing six-game streak game losing to end streak. the year. You yeah. yeah, and it was, the, it was really the first one against a bad team. I mean, you know, in that stretch, we, if I'm remembering right, we lost to... We lost to Colorado to start that stretch. They won the South. Um, we lost to Washington State, good team. We lost to Utah, pretty good team. Uh, we lost at Oregon. They weren't very good. But that, you know, that's at Oregon. Okay. Um, but Arizona awful. You know, they were 0 for the conference. And and to not only lose, but lose in, you know, blowout fashion, basically, when you couldn't stop a simple run play, was hard to come back from. But he did. And he did. He did. And, and you know, I, I was okay with that. I mean, I, I said it. I'm not going to, you know, change my opinion. I, I didn't really think he should be fired. But certainly if the decision had been made to fire him after that game, I wouldn't have been like, oh, this is a really dumb decision. What are you doing? I'd have thought, yeah, I can, I can see it. I can see the logic in it. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, I mean, I, I think uh, – Let's just say this. Before we talked, I happened to be searching on Google for stories about college football coaching candidates. So I'm kind of the mindset that that's going to be the story within a couple weeks is who's our next coach. But we'll see. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean, I I was preparing a, a brief list of people who I wanted to, you know, go <laughs> I was over kind with of you. doing the same. I mean, look. Yeah. Well, I, bring them up. Let's, let's talk. Well, I think that the big ones, right, are Chip Kelly – and Les Miles, and would you be interested? Yeah. I, I assume you're interested in Chip Kelly. I, I think everyone would be. Yeah. I, I'm sensing you're not interested in Les Miles. Not Les Miles, no. And, and honestly, lukewarm on Chip Kelly. And I don't say that to be, like, you know, snobbish or something. I, I've told you this before, the way I view ASU, 
I want a coach whose best days are still in front of him and not whose best days he's looking at in the rearview mirror. And Les Miles is certainly that. And Chip Kelly might be that. Um, I would prefer to go get somebody who is who is um, trying to prove himself. That's why I like the Grammar, because Graham had a lot of baggage that you know came with the pit exit, and he struggled that year, and then he left. And I felt like we are getting somebody who is hungry to rewrite his legacy. I like that, and and so those, yeah, Les Miles does not do it for me. No. Um, incredibly boring offense. We just talked about basketball, and you have to be, you know, entertaining. You have to be entertaining in football here too for people to care. And I just don't think that's going to be a good fit. Now, Chip Kelly's offense is a different story. Yeah, I assume then Mark Helfrich is of no interest to you. No, not really. No, I'll give you one, and I don't know if he's on many lists. Um, he was on the top of our list, I believe, six years ago. And he might be available again, and he intrigues me, is Kevin Sumlin. And you're mm-hmm. going to laugh because I've criticized him at A&M, but he'd be hungry to right the wrongs of Texas A&M, and I think maybe he'd do better at a place that didn't have the glare that Texas A&M does and the SEC pressure. That intrigues me. I'm not saying I you know, am all in, but the idea of it is interesting to me. Well, so I had two on my list of potential reclamation projects spent yeah. a year in purgatory try to go after. Okay. Charlie Strong, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Mm, boy, Lane Kiffin uh, just makes me very nervous. He is such a buffoon, and, and I, I mean, I know he's, he's been, been a decent coach. Uh, I, I mean – He's been decent. Let's just say that. He, he, excellent you know, coordinator. They may win. Excellent yeah. coordinator. And, decent and, starter. And, you know, they're overachieving at Florida Atlantic. Um, but that's Florida Atlantic and it's Conference USA. And that's a whole different game. Um, hard to judge him on Tennessee. He was only there one year. Uh, but USC was, you know, 2011 was great. Um, you know, had they been eligible for a bowl game. They won to the Pac-12 title game. They might have won it. They might have been in the Rose Bowl, and you know, ifs and buts. Um, they were really good. And then 2012, with expectations, they fell apart. Team quit on him, and by 2013 in September, he was fired. Um, so I am wary of him. I'm wary of his personality. Um, Charlie Strong is interesting, but I don't know if Charlie Strong leaves um, the Southeast. That's where his hotbed is. Uh, you know, and there's other opportunities that might come up there if it's not this year soon. Um, you know, he ventured out of the SEC footprint and it didn't go well. And so I'm not sure um, he would, you know, want to leave that area. You know, he's had his most success recruiting Florida. Louisville success was with a lot of Florida players. Um, I think he might know where he's supposed to be now. The only reason I bring him up is he, he did not leave the cupboard bare at Texas. He just... No, he did not. You know, he can still recruit. He can still do those things. Um, sure. And he's, he's a solid coach. I mean, I, I, I told you, you know, we talked a lot, uh, I, you know, uh, I, several times about Texas. And, um, you know, I felt like he got a bit of a raw deal there. Um, you know, I, I thought what would happen was he would you know, bring in a lot of talent and then the next coach would benefit from that talent. I still think that will happen at not proving me right so far this year, but I still think we'll see that. Um, uh, but yeah, I just, I felt like the, the least 
leash was way too short. Um, and the pressure just got to be so in, intense by year three that they had no choice but to get rid of him, which was too bad because they should have been more patient, I think, overall to see what he could have done. And then the last name I had, and I don't think he'll take it because I think he's going to switch jobs this year, but I think he's going to not leave the state, is yeah. would you call Mike Norvell? Would you just see kick the tires? Uh, interesting. You know, I mean, uh, I've thought about that too. You know, I guess you, you wonder in some ways, is that too much like, you know, the old days now he and Graham have some differences. And, I mean, he's and so an I don't offensive think it would coach. Be an exact, he is, he is. And he, he's an entertaining, I mean, you have to, you know, you have to, I guess first, you know, what, what's your priority? Do you need somebody who can, you know, put butts in the seats? And I think that does matter. How you're going to do that is entertaining offense. Now, you have to be good on defense because, you know, we saw last year, it was an entertaining offense. It was the worst defense known to man. Uh, um, you know, so you have to have a little of both. But you've got to have an offense for people to care down here. You know, people just will not care if you're trying to win game 17-14. They will tune you out easily. Plus, I don't know if you can win that way at ASU. I just, I don't know. The pac 12s tough. Um, a lot of great offenses. You've got to have an offense to keep up. Yeah, you're not Stanford. That's the thing. Exactly, exactly. You know? Yeah, I mean, Stanford has bucked the trend, but they've done it by recruiting, a, you know, very long period of time, really good offensive linemen, really good defensive linemen. It's hard to do. You know, they've done it, but it's not an easy path. An easier path, being honest, is to spread the field wide open, score a lot of points and try to just outgun teams, the Dirk Cutter style, basically, but hopefully a little bit more effective. Yeah. There's a reason so many teams run these spread offenses, because it is a shortcut to building a program. You know, you, you run it, and you just try to score a ton of points, and you try to win with tempo rather than talent. Yeah, it's just a, you know, I don't know. It worked for Baylor. I, I'm just... It did. It's it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have a, you know, I, I told you earlier in the year I was intrigued by T. Martin. I still am. Um, I think he'll get a head coaching job at some point. But I don't really have a guy. I'm like, I want that guy more than anybody else. I, I, uh, I just think it's probably time to move on and start fresh. And, you know, whoever it is, like I said, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be behind him because that's what I want. I want, I want whoever it is, whether it's, Someone new or Todd Graham, I want success. Uh, you know, that's all I want. I mean, it, maybe that's too much to ask, but that's what I want. I don't think it's too much to ask. It, it's what, as a fan base, we should be asking for. Uh, I think so too. I just, I, I always, and I'm not saying Howler was saying it, but there is that notion. I hate that notion of, you know, well, you should just be content with average. I, I hate that. You know, again, you have, yeah, you do have to know who you are. I mean, Nebraska is a great example. They've run two coaches off who consistently won nine or ten games, and maybe they should have realized who they were and, and you know, not pushed to get the next Tom Osborne. But we're not winning nine or ten games. We're winning six, and that's just not good enough for me, and I don't think it should be good enough for anybody. Absolutely not. If we were winning nine or ten games a year for a decade. Yeah, a different discussion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally different discussion. And then you, if you want to say, well, boy, you know, don't get greedy. Um, but, you know, when Todd Graham won 10 games in a row or 10 games two years in a row, nobody was talking about pushing him out. The door. Nobody was saying, you know, we need a guy who can win 12. 
no, we, we were pretty, we were pretty good. We were pretty happy with that. And if he had kept up that kind of pace, we wouldn't be talking about pushing him out the door right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it'd be nice to be in a position of Georgia with Rick to be able sure. to say, sure. Ooh, boy, I, I don't know. We we're just butting our heads against the this, ceiling and we're yeah. not breaking through. Yep. You know, I, this 10 and two every year is getting boring. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, discussion for a different time. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to be in that position, but we're not, um, you know, and so then you have that discussion of, well, should you know who you are and should you realize that, you know, if you can be like a Michigan state where maybe you have a, you know, a, a period of really good and then you have a down year like they had last year. And, you know, there was, there was rumblings that D'Antonio was in trouble. And I, that was one of those examples where I would have said, wait a minute, man, know who you are. This guy's done really well. Yeah, last year was a disaster, but let's realize he's pretty good. And you've seen what they've done this year. They're back to being pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of honestly what I think the ASU program should strive for. Make the playoffs. Three years later, you have a down year. But, sure. you know, that'll happen. Yeah. And you stay the exactly. course. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I think, I think uh, consistently winning – you know, seven or more games every year being the expectation and having, you know, nine to 10 wins not be a, a cause for, you know, celebration, but, but simply, uh, yep, another good year. You won nine, nine, 10 games. You're in a good level bowl game. You're competing for the conference title. You know, is it going to be every year? No, um, it's not every year for very many programs, but you know, uh, more consistently than we have one more than once every 10 years, which is kind of how it's been. You know, we went to the Rose bowl in 86, then again, in 96, we want to share the, you know, pack 10 title in 07. We got to the pack 12 title game in 13. I mean, it's like a once in a decade thing. That's just not good enough. Yeah. Agreed. So we've gone all over. We've said a lot of oh, yeah. words, um, some of them hopefully relevant to people's interests who are listening. <laughs> um, we will be back, you know, the holidays with Thanksgiving, just so everyone knows. It's going to maybe screw around with our schedule a little bit, but we'll be around and available. We're going to be doing the recap of the Oregon State game, hopefully discussing bowl eligibility and what the bottom bowls yeah. that the Pac-12 has tie-ins for. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. And if we lose, we'll do a much deeper dive into potential coaches right. and have a much more right, complete right. list. Uh, yeah, yeah. 